Blog Talk Radio. Lights flicker and often go out. That is the time when ghosts are about. Creepies and crawlies from last Halloween. Awaken the spirits for Midsummer Scream. Swinging wake. Now summon you all your seats to take. Our time is short, so let us begin. Yale, Claude, Mark, Walt, and all others, we invoke you. Come in. sounds echo through the walls. Whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish Another edition of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective, and I am the head hauntress. Well, 
we're finally starting to slow down. We've been busy, sexy witches. Our coven has been scattered to the four winds, going to San Diego, going to Williamsburg, Virginia, going to Cherry Hill, New Jersey very soon. We just keep going and going and going, going to Long Beach in this case. And um, But we are starting to congregate again, and on the second hour today at 10 o'clock, the entire sexy witch cast and cousin will be here, including Steve, the Wizard of Wandling uh, from Repo Nerds. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, Animation August, where we pick a couple of our favorite animators um, and talk about them a little bit. And this time we're having a double way of banger on that back half because we are going to talk about the Shira. Old and new, so She-Ra and the She-Ra, the Princess of Power. And, of course, we cannot igno- not ignore, as geeks, the most important property ever, in my opinion, when it comes to comics. Hmm. My favorite comic, my favorite villain, my favorite good guy turned 80 this year. Detective Comics number one came out. In 80 years ago, This and uh, we're, so we're going to talk about the Cape Crusader. But first... Let me introduce my sexy witch that's on the line with me right now. We're going to start slow and build up to the whole group. So first on the other line is my partner in crime in Anaheim. And they um, just came back from Midsummer Scream on a press pass once again. Thank you. That was amazing to let us go to this thing. Uh, And and I can't wait to hear about it. Please welcome to my show, the cuz, the orange lord, the or the warlock of Orange County, Aaron Kogan. How you doing, sir? Welcome to Sexy Witches. <laughs> I am doing great. How are you tonight? I'm very frazzled because I keep getting kicked off air. So if suddenly I drop out again, Uh-oh. please keep going because it won't cut you off unless I cut you off. So uh, just keep going. Oh, man. And, and, and you have, um, well, you have plenty, you have a half an hour to fill, so I think you'll be fine. So um, let's just jump right into it. I mean, I'm serious. Let's yeah. just jump right into it. How the yeah. hell was it? Boy, did that look like fun. That looked like one of the most Sam, fun horror conventions I've ever seen. Go for it. Tell me all about it. fucking tastic. I mean, just fucking ridiculously good start to finish um if i have any complaints they would be teeny tiny niggling ones that the little program guide they gave was um a little confusing the way they did the the block off of squares it it didn't really exactly line up with 12 o'clock 30 years of Tales from the Crypt, and it kind of looks like it starts at 12.15 when it doesn't. So that that's, I think, my biggest thing. And then the other thing, which I'm really hoping uh, some of uh, our friends and fam who attended will call in, uh, I kind of wonder if maybe they haven't outgrown the facility. I mean, that place, Long Beach Convention Center is a good-sized convention center. They do big conventions there. But, oh, my God, there were a shit ton of people there. And um, everyone was really nice. Everyone got along well. I can't – I mean, uh, the staff there, the white bats, the volunteers who take care of everything, everyone was on top of their stuff. I, I had absolutely no complaints there. But uh, if you weren't a gold bat 
and you or you didn't have a press pass, a media pass, um, you stood in a lot of lines. So my advice, go, but maybe spring for the gold bath and get that lovely uh, front-of-the-line thing because it's busy as all hell, and there is so stinking much to do. Um, the first thing uh, we You know, did, it, it might be that – I just want to point out that they've only been – they're yeah, only yeah. like three years old, and their first convention had 8,000, and last year had 30,000. So yeah. how many went this year? And I'm sure they sold out. Um, my, yeah. yeah I, my guess uh, would probably be around 40,000, 45,000. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure, they, they keep getting bigger and bigger. Solid. Yeah. Just, Go just going by parking, just going by people lined up, uh, it was, no pun intended, it was a monster. Uh, and the cosplay was – uh, hella fun and horror fans are, are really the best. Uh, if, if you've got to be stuck in a convention center with people standing in line, horror fans are the people you want to be next to. Thank and you. It was, it was just fun from start to finish. Um, our very first day, very first thing we did is we went into the Hall of Shadows where Woo! all you these went right for different it. groups. What's that? You went right for it. Going for the heart of oh, the show. Oh, hells to the air. And uh, the theme this year was Tiki Terror, as we talked <laughs> about on the last show. Yeah. And it was hella fun. I mean, right from the jump, you go over and um, Big Tiki Tum Tum is uh, outside the hall of shadows. And uh, he, he talks to you and, and you know, he, he says, you know, nice shirt, dude. Uh, uh, where'd you get that? And, you know, silly things like that. And, and uh, it, it's, it's all live and happening right then. It's not canned stuff, which is kind of fun and silly. And then uh, you walk in and uh, the Hall of Shadows is all these different groups uh, doing their little segments, uh, l- like little mini haunted houses. Uh, the one that I got the biggest kick out of was the one based on uh, uh, that silly sorority scream thing uh, that Fox did a, a couple seasons back. And that was just silly fun. And all the performers, every single stinking scare performer there was into it. And that makes such a huge difference. I, it, there's There's nothing to compare it with. Like Natalie says, they were all a hundred percent in, and uh, they were, you know, all very, very different things. But basically, all little mini haunted mansions, all giving you a little taste of the the thing that they're doing for the Halloween season. And everyone's handing out flyers, and I collected a big handful, and I, they all just look like a hell of a lot of fun. The full things. And we enjoyed the hell out of that. You you could easily spend all of your morning and most of your afternoon there. Uh, it sounds like fun. That's like so my wheelhouse. But like I said, I'd probably be one. They would be annoyed with me after a while because I'd be mostly just looking at like how they're doing it. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. what if they can get me out of that mode and get me to jump? Then I give them huge credit for that. You know, it it it, it sounds like it was. It's a, um, I'm actually jealous about you getting to do that 
because that is so <laughs> stuff I love to do. You know how I feel about walkthroughs and, and haunted yeah. attractions. I mean, we're, I would almost say we're on the same page with it, with our fanaticism when it comes to actually the walkthrough element. Cause I really like it. Cause it gives active oh, yeah. work, you know, and, and then and, of course, dark rides are, you know, we're both Disneyland raised on Disneyland. Like, you and I were yep. Californians. We were raised on Disneyland. Dark rides are our bread and butter. So, yeah. I mean, and, and of course, this thing, and, and, and you can, don't have to give it to it now, but I really want to hear about the Haunted Mansion with, um, uh, panel, which I played the intro for it um, mm-hmm. as a cold start uh, earlier. So um, that was Saturday, though. So go ahead and get to it, but soon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, yeah, just, just to touch on a couple of them, uh, there was... Wicked Pumpkin Hollow, where uh-huh. uh, there are some really nicely uh, carved uh, jack-o'-lanterns uh, from your traditional scary to Michael Jackson and everything in between, and that was a lot of fun. And uh, all of these pictures that my uh, photographer, Lynn, took for me. And, thank uh, you, Lynn. And that I took are, are up now. Yeah, thank you, Lynn. It was a lot of fun. Oh, and the other thing I think we should mention is um, they do it right there. Uh, You can't, I I think it's physically impossible to walk more than 30 feet and be away from a bar. And that's pretty genius, let me just tell you right now. Um, (laughs) I kind of lost track of how many bourbons and ginger ales I had. Um, I know I, I went really light on the tropical drinks, even though... It was Tiki Terror, but there was, was in fact, say, Tiki, Tiki Terror bars. bar there. Ooh, but oh, yeah. Dark and Stormies oh, yeah, yeah. are probably all over the place in there, right? <laughs> I love Dark and Stormies. Um, well, they sold out of freaking everything. Um, I'm sure they did. Two hours before close. So <laughs> it was a drinking crowd. Um, I think the only well, thing it's a horror convention. We, 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 we can kick that back. You know, yeah. it's an endurance, you know, I, I talk about San Diego being an endurance test. Well, for when it comes to actually conventioning, it is the ultimate endurance test. But horror conventions are your endurance test. Like, how much can you do to your body while you're conventioning? <laughs> so, oh, it, gets, it, it, it makes it, it so much fun. Day, the day drinkers are everywhere at, you know, and I'm usually working, so I'm not day drinking. I'm a good girl, or a good sexy witch, but, you know, after seven, when the show <laughs> floor closes, all bets are off, you know. So, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't it's say not that. So really, it's not really day drinking if, you know, you're, you're watching uh, Sheriff Hopper walk by you, and, and then, you know, you're just really, you know, Empathizing with the character, right? So, <laughs> well, of course you know. you're going to have a little something, a little something. Well, you can't, you can't smoke um, in the convention anymore, so you might as well just do the other, right? You know, you know, so. All right, so <laughs> so that sounds awesome. Hall of Shadows, scares and booze. Yeah. Like, like, that's like, I wouldn't move out of that space very fast at all. Uh, yeah, I, I, I again... You're you're probably going to want to either just beeline for that first thing in the morning, come next year, or get yourself a golden bat because again, the golden bat pass, the little upgraded pass, gets you your own separate line and gets you a little faster. And 
it, it, it's it's a crowded, very popular thing. Um, we did one of the Haunted Mansion panels the first day, uh, the big one, really, and that was kind of amazing. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the very first convention appearance ever, not a horror convention, very first convention appearance ever of uh, the young lady who back in the day designed the wallpaper and the color scheme for everything. Now, it turns out she didn't design the wallpaper that we currently have, the faces and everything. Hers was a more stylistic, more uh, swoopy uh, bat and ghost pattern, which I'm dying to see what that looks like. I'm, I'm uh, actually trying to track that down now because I'm, I'm, I really need to know what that looked like. But um, uh, there's got to be Bob pictures Kirk- somewhere, right? Because yeah, it's, I mean, like you say, it's documented ride. the Godfather of all dark rides. Yeah, it, it is the measuring stick, and this is actually mentioned in the panel. It's the measuring stick by which all other dark rides are judged, as well it should be. It, it's it's the premiere, without a doubt, it's, it's, and it's. You know, for people listening to us, if you want to learn about dark rides, there's two things you need to learn. One is the Imagineers of Disneyland, dark, dark ride, Haunted Mansion, and Pirates of the Caribbean. The other one is Bill Tracy, who was the traditional funhouse guy on the East Coast that did all the walkthroughs and with pretzel rides. So those traditional ones you get at fairs and on the, on the boardwalks. If you learn about those two things, you are set for your adventures in dark ride. I digress, Aaron. I just want to make sure if anybody's listening, if there's been summer screen people that like this stuff that they should look up Bill Tracy as well. And, you know, and, and then you'll have an amazing amount of dark ride info. So go ahead, keep going. Yeah. So, um, one of the gentlemen who actually held a panel the next day, which I attended, um, his thing was he was a, an Imagineer, back in the day and he spoke not only to that but also just being a kid in Orange County and hearing all the rumors and uh, seeing all the little drips and drabs of info coming out you know what the heck are they doing back there and uh, it was kind of fun to kind of be taken back into that mind frame uh, and you know, just anticipate what what the heck is Walt doing back there? And as we now know, of course, uh, the Haunted Mansion was the first ride or first attraction uh, that was completed without Walt, unfortunately. Um, but they spoke about uh, a little bit, a little bit of the uh, Museum of the Weird and how yeah. there were definitely two separate paths for Imagineers, uh, one school that wanted to make it really scary and another that wanted to make it funnier. And it ended up kind of being a hybrid of the two. I always thought what they just ended up with is, is, is right on the nose when it comes to tone. Uh, They talk about that a lot about how they were, there was the, the, the crazy versus the, the more funny. And um, you know, when I was a kid, there's actually scary things in there. As an adult, I go through the ride and I just enjoy the beauty and ingeniousness of it. Uh, you know, it, it is absolutely spectacular on every level. And, you know, 
I, I, I'm glad what we got is in there. A little bit funny, a little bit macabre. Hurry back. I mean, she's just beautiful. Oh, she's yeah. my favorite. You know, they, they even hit you with the surprise at the end on that ride. You know, it's it's wonderful. And I'm so glad you got to. I know I'm rambling, but I'm so excited you got to do these things. Keep talking. We still got time. So you've got plenty of time to talk. We got another. We Nobody calls in until 945. Unless you want to call in and join us with the conversation, you're always welcome to. Our guest call in is 646. 646- Seven one six nine one seven two. Once again, that is six four six seven one six nine one seven two. The sexy witches are looking forward to your call. All right, Aaron, continue, sir. <laughs> so uh, that that panel was kind of um, amazing, just for the people there. Um, Bob Gurr, uh Disney legend and Imagineer, spoke uh, about how. His vehicle, the Omnimover, uh, first off, he told a story that I'd never heard before, uh, which is kind of fun, you know, being right there when he says, I'd never heard him say that uh, Omnimover was a name that kind of got stuck to the vehicle um, and not really the one that he planned. And he he sounded a little bit forlorn about that, like he wanted to have a better name or something, but as diehards know uh, the Omni Mover was created for Adventures Through <laughs> me. Adventures Through Inner Space. Pardon me. <laughs> you alright? <laughs> Old man, you don't um, die. Not on air. Don't I, die. I'm not I, I don't need ratings that bad, okay? <laughs> wow, that would be a good stunt though. Now uh, so Adventures Through Inner Space is where the Omni Mover uh, came from. There were Imagineers working on the Haunted Mansion, which, as as you may or may not know, was not even originally called the Haunted Mansion. It was uh, a haunted house. And then uh, they were still uh, more than halfway through the project. It, it was still going to be a walkthrough. And then they saw... Bob's Omniverse said, oh, yeah, we're, we're stealing that. <laughs> That's how that came about. The Omnimovers. Uh, the still, the inner space still haunts my nightmares. I actually found that ride relatively more scary than Haunted Mansion. But you know what the scariest feature in all of Haunted Mansion was for me as a kid? You're going to hmm. laugh at this. What? You know what freaked me out the most? When you first walk into the elevators, there's candelabras on the walls with little gargoyles, right? Oh, yeah. The gargoyles. That did it to me. Those were scarier than the pictures stretching, than the rest of the ride. I could not deal with those. And I don't know why I was so freaked out by those things. Like, I had to take my, I had to take my um, ears my mouse ears because I already have them at that point uh, of course right <laughs> and everything yeah. and I put it over my eyes during the ride because I couldn't deal wow. with the gargoyles Duh. for me it was the, the bat staunchions you know the staunchions with the chains that keep you uh, separated from the changing portraits and, and lead up beautiful. to the doom buddies they're so they cute, are beautiful, though. but they were a little freaky when, when I was a kid. 
I you know, they've got that. all those teeth, man. It's just yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 I think it's iconic now. I, I love it. And when I was a little then, kid, I actually had a series of dreams where I was on the the ride on the attraction. It would break down. I had to get off and walk, and suddenly it became real. So that that's mostly why I'm obsessed with that attraction and why I collect all the haunted mansion pins and everything else that I have. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. Have you ever been able to find the bullet holes? No. Um I I, I know where they're supposed to be. I have and never I, I seen saw them. something I that I thought wrong. was there, but I don't know. <laughs> I have never seen them. I have tried. I know they exist, at least in folklore, they exist. That there's bullet holes in, in or, or depressions in the pane of glass when you look down at the Walters, right? Isn't that where that's supposed mm-hmm. to be that pane of glass? But it's supposed to be up high in an odd spot. And the way they covered it up was painted with spiders or something, make it a spider. Mm-hmm. Uh Maybe yeah. it's uh, I I but I've always tried to find them and you know I've ridden the ride on slow days multiple times trying to find them I've never found them I don't know if they're real or not that would be an excellent question to ask one of the Imagineers um I, I asked yes. the gentleman uh, I, I I meant to tell you the gentleman who uh, didn't actually work on on the attraction itself but is really been very interested in that and uh, is working on a book that's sort of taking an archaeological aspect or archaeological view of the park, in particular in Haunted Mansion specifically. Uh, He spoke uh, at the second day, the Sunday panel on Haunted Mansion, and I got to ask a a question from the crowd, and uh, I, I prefaced it by saying my favorite haunted mansion myth or urban legend is that the hearse the horse drawn hearse outside the mansion was supposedly used to uh, draw the body of Robert F. Kennedy which isn't true oh. but it's a, a huge urban legend that, that you'll find I... everywhere And I, so I said <laughs> what's your favorite and uh, uh, he, he mentioned all, all the good ones. He, you know, back in the day, uh, the reason for the delay was that uh, they'd done a, a sneak preview, as it were, and someone had a heart attack and died. That's why the heart attack <laughs> wasn't opening, and all kinds of things like that. And he had theories for it too. He, um, he said some things, you know, as far as you know, they decided to grade a little extra over here since they were already uh, digging up. Uh, Norland Square, right next door. Uh, those had actual bases, but you know, because all these executives and workers are there in Orange County, going home, talking about this stuff with their family, he thinks that's how some of this stuff started back in the day. It's <laughs> kind of fun. Did we yeah, ever I've talk on air? Uh, did Did you and I ever talk on air about? people depositing their ashes in the haunted mansion or is that something we had offline i don't know we have talked about it i'm not, i think we've talked about it on air but go ahead and since we're talking haunted mansion yeah, just, cause, just to talk go, yeah yeah just to mention it really briefly it. Uh, if we if we had covered this before everybody listening sorry but um it's actually 
prevalent enough. It's not an everyday occurrence, but there are relatives that will deposit the ashes of their loved ones inside the haunted mansion. And of course, you know, there are cameras everywhere with uh, uh, night vision. Uh, so everybody, the cast members see when you do this, but it's so prevalent. There's actually a Disney code for when that happens and they stop the attraction and they clean it all up and da da da. But that just kind of blew me away. That I, you, you've mentioned that before. I think on fans. air, it's awesome okay. though. I mean, you know, this is the 50th anniversary of this attraction, and that tells you how yes, many people feel about it. How, how it's actually personal in some people's lives. I, if something was to happen to it, if someone was to damage that ride, I'd probably take it personally. You know, I always Amen. like it hurts when someone defaces something that has value, whether it's a cave I've worked in. I've seen people just break shit off cave walls, take it home mm. with them. You know, to haunted mansions, to old school amusement park rides, to uh, I love keeping that era of stuff alive because there was a lot of really cool things happening in the turn of the century through about what fifty five is when Disneyland opened. So it's uh, no exaggeration to say that it it's very beloved, maybe the most beloved attraction. Except I mean, for what, this what else year, compared to, it's a small world. I mean, you know, it's it's really kind of like depressing how little light the the attendance has been this summer at Disneyland. I mean, I had a good time there, but I was I was expecting to have crowds up the wazoo, and we really didn't. Um, you know, it was busy, but not packed. Well, you know we have D twenty three, the Disney convention. Coming up in two weeks, and you will definitely see a bump in the attendance then. Yeah, I I um, have a feeling we'll see some price points go down, or they're going to reshuffle their packages to make them a little bit more affordable for families. I think that's going to happen. Maybe a lot more ads on TV and on radio for uh, locals get the special rate thing. So yeah, uh, Disney's doing it for sure. Um, yeah, but let's get back I, to I wanted to mention another panel that was really amazing. Yeah, um, awesome. The uh, panel for the Curious cre- Creations of Christine oh, McConnell right. was fan-fucking-tastic. I took, I don't know, 20 or 30 pictures, so I'll put you all those up. You haven't posted them yet. Um, I have not posted them yet. I did post a picture of my uh, haul, my swag. And I did post uh, some more pictures of cosplay. Yeah, I put uh, some on some the, the, so, the, the slideshow. So um, nice. there's a couple samples on the slideshow. Nice. I, I put a last-minute slideshow in earlier. Go ahead. The Christine McConnell was really exceptionally good, uh, a whole hell of a lot of fun, and kind of mystifying and uh, and and made me really angry because (laughs) we don't know why the show hasn't been picked up. None of the geniuses in the executive branch at Netflix will say why. So if you can hear my voice, uh, send them an email, send them a a postcard and tell them you want more 
uh, Adventures of Christine McConnell, The Curious Creations. I, I actually really like the so raccoon. much damn fun. The raccoon character. I actually would like to see that character again. I Rose. thought that was actually a fun Rose. Yes, she's much fun. I, I. What did she make? That's really the question. What did she do? Oh, you mean for the panel? Um, it was yeah. all talking and uh, a, a slideshow that I, I, I guess if if uh, Netflix doesn't pick it up or someone else doesn't pick it up, will be the only time it'll ever be seen, unfortunately. But all the cast and crew uh, said they're ready to go back anytime. And they just went through all kinds of fun details. Um we we learned that uh, their werewolf uh, was basically looking out of the jaws and had, if you take uh, the, the cardboard roll from the inside of a towel, uh, a roll of towels, that's about what he was looking at. And uh, the reason that uh, he's always breathing so heavily, the character, is because that's how the actor inside was seeing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, well, you uh, know, I, I, it, that is Jim Henson Studios, which is run by his daughter, his daughter and Brian his Henson. son, and Brian, yeah. uh, and and so that leads us. Don't forget, on the twenty seventh, we're going to talk about for Animation August. We're going to kind of sidestep animation, and we're going to do puppetry instead. So it'll excellent. be, uh, and we're going to talk about Jim Henson in in particular, and that will also lead us to getting really excited for the new upcoming Dark Crystal uh, Age of Resistance, which drops on the 30th. So that's the 27th. So I'm really glad you brought up Christy McConnell because there is a connection there. Oh, it was Um, so good. It was so good. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, The other thing, my big takeaway, was just how humble uh, Christine is. And just um, first off, I had no idea that she was working basically 18-hour days creating everything because she couldn't really put together a team that could do the stuff that she's doing. And, uh, um, and uh, I Nat- couldn't do anything she's doing. I, I pretty much, right. I mean, I watch her I, and I'm like, wow, you spent all this time and now just pop, it's over. You eat it. No, no. Oh my God. <laughs> I, the, the one I did I like, think- and the one I think I could do is the Ouija board. I could do that one. The Ouija board was amazing, and and actually, yeah. I think that might have been what fired Natalie the most. Natalie, who I couldn't convince to watch the show before, after she sat through the panel, we came home and we binged the whole thing. And at oh, the end good. of it, she said, "That's it. That's all." So yeah, um, I, still think, I, I it think was the only thing I could do was though. was that. It was weirdly raunchy, though. Like, I was watching it with my daughter, yeah. and some of the jokes are a little on the raunchy side, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if she gets what this is going on or not. Oh, now my she God. Would. Oh, my God. Now she would. The, the, the stuff that they wanted to do that, that they, they said, no, nah, you might want to pull back on that a little bit, was hilarious. Like, uh, apparently, <laughs> uh, that, that line that Christine has with Rose about as long as it's consensual, talking about the dogs in the neighborhood, was uh, <laughs> um, Rose was apparently a, a, a little bit of a, a sex offender, um, so yeah, it, it was definitely not family Muppet stuff, but it was mostly family appropriate. 
Mostly, it's still but, it's still a a a, a garmanger basically a garmanger show right because that's really it's just it's art for centerpieces and stuff right yeah, you can't really absolutely. eat any of it you know the bones you could but it looked so long to do one I think <laughs> I the don't... bones were probably the only thing that I actually could have pulled pulled off myself. But yeah, uh, that's the other thing. All the detail that she does with that stuff is not anything that you or I would do. No. Come on, that's way too much work. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, no. Uh, let's put it on a plate, make it look nice, that's it. Eat it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Lasagna speaks for oh. itself. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> it turns out that the, the showrunner and director and the voice of the spider and uh, I think he had one other little thing um, was a, a gentleman that had worked on uh, dinosaurs if you remember oh, that nice. one. Oh, from, of course so yeah, I think I think uh, now that I know that I, I it kind of reframes the way I'm thinking about uh, the curious creations and I might actually need to go back and watch some dinosaurs and Christine back to back to see what that's like because okay. I, I you know in my in my head I can actually see a through line there. It's kind of I, funny. I tried to rewatch Dinosaurs, but honestly, I know how it ends, and I saw that shit first run, and boy, did that that scarred me worse than any Bambi shot by the hunt, you know, mom. It, 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 that ending, even though it makes sense. It still was like mm-hmm. really, really sad. <laughs> I just wow. like I still think about you? it. Oh, older than you think. I was in my first house watching it when the okay. finale came on, mm-hmm. but it'd been on for several years at that point. So you know, and then it had a break, and then it came on and did a quick final season. I don't know if you remember that, but because I certainly did, and I watched. I was so excited, and then it ended like that, and I'm like, holy. Shit. How sad. Well, um, Kirk Thatcher was actually the the gentleman who was uh, the director on both Dinosaurs and on um, Curious Creations. And I actually got to talk to him. He was sitting in the back uh, of the room before the uh, second Haunted Mansion panel. So nice. that was kind of cool. Um, the other thing, uh, I was wearing my Haunted Mansion uh, haunted uh, nightmare shirt. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, most fans know, but during the holidays, uh, Tokyo has the best one from what I've heard, but ours is pretty nice. The Haunted Mansion gets taken over by Jack, who's trying to do Christmas, and it's a lot of fun. And the first year they did it, they had this gorgeous camp shirt, bowling shirt, whatever you want to call it. And I just happened to bump into the Imagineer who made that, who designed my shirt. And uh, I've got a picture with him too that I'll post. But um, That's it was, awesome. You know, hey, where are you going to do that? So, oh, you know, of my course, God. You were so him, in your wheelhouse, weren't you? Right. Right. So um, having an Imagineer <laughs> who's actually working on this stuff and is still working on it, um, I had to say, so what can you tell me about this year's haunted holidays uh can you give me any hints about what the gingerbread house is going to look like can you tell me which character is going to be at the focus you know because a couple years now oogie 
Oogie Boogie has kind of been taking uh, center for the the haunted holiday. And oh, he said, good. I can't really tell you anything like that, but something going on right now is really influential. And I went, something going on? Something going Haunted Mansion. I don't know what that means. The, the big one, of course, is Galaxy's Edge, but would, would that be in Haunted, huh? Or maybe it's the 50th, because uh, we were a week before the 50th anniversary. Maybe that's what yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going to be thinking about that for, you know, uh, however many months. I guess uh, we'll get it September, actually. Well, so I've got one uh, more Nathan, month to let that Nathan stew. Hanneman, um, who runs the um, Horror Hound um, mm. horror conventions, went to the 50th. He's been with his wife. They were posting photos at the 50th party. They went to the actual party. Um, and I was just, my, my jaw hit the floor watching their video. You know, they got to walk the, you know, purpley black carpet. And it just, yeah. look, go to their web, go to their page and look at that. Because there's some amazing I have some back. friends who went. I've, I've been looking through their stuff and, and drooling over the photo opportunities. The merch yeah. wasn't that great this year, but... Shag, who's one of my favorite designers, did a really great Haunted Mansion shirt that sold out, so I'm a little jealous for that. But it was cool. a $300 event, which yeah, is just no. kind of pricey. In the, but it's anyway. almost worth it. Almost worth it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah D23, no, that money goes to D23, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, exactly. You if I didn't have um, D23 coming up in two weeks where I'm going to drop a load... Uh, I mean, come on, man. Uh, the you have frame sets, you have exclusive action figures. You've got hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, a new shag shirt. Uh, you've got exclusive merchandise from Mickey's of Glendale, from the Disney stores, from um, oh gosh, what's the other one? Um, just you know, stuff you can only get there at the D23 Expo. So yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna walk out of there for less than four bills. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you you got to budget, budget a little bit on this silliness. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, well, there's two things. <laughs> One, they had an amazing live and online Godzilla auction. And uh, I posted about that live, if you remember at the time. Uh that it was billed as the, the the world's single greatest Godzilla collection, and looking it over, it's kind of hard to argue. Uh, apparently, this <laughs> gentleman had collected just every stinking, I, everything ex- exclusive uh, Godzilla or Godzilla re- related figure, and the family decided to auction it in one whole thing. And wow. uh, the auction was going on live. So uh, I got to sit down and watch it going on. There were people bidding in the audience, but a lot of the activity was going on online. And mm-hmm. uh, there were bargains to be had uh, there. And, and it's all, you know, if you're into that stuff, if you're into that hard plastic, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's, I guess it's like a retro futuristic thing uh, that the Japanese toys had or, or, or figures. 
and it's it's just if you like that aesthetic, and I do, I like it a lot. It, it was it was really fun and really cool to watch. And then the other thing uh, that I I have to mention is that they had these great breakout rooms where, uh, again, some of the people who put on uh, Halloween and seasonal-themed plays and scary productions and what have you were doing little snippets of it. And there was one we saw that was set, I think it was just called Salem, and it was set, you know, obviously during the time of the witch trials. Uh, It was pretty good. Um, The actors were into it, and that made a big difference. Uh, Unfortunately, the walls were really thin, and the production next door was really loud, which did not help that production. But the actors were totally committed, and that helped draw you into it. Um, It didn't have a big punchline, which I think is because they wanted you to buy tickets and go see it when they do it for reals. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to excuse them on that one. The other production that we saw uh, had a, a general admission, and then they had an 18 and up adults one. And that was a lot of fun. That was little vignettes. Um, I don't know if there was any dialogue at all, although the performers did, you know, make noise and, and you know, they they – would do little imitations of speech, but they were really physical performances. And uh, it was almost, some of them were, were definitely exactly like dance. And uh, they were, I, I guess you'd call them skits. And some of them were hmm, borderline pretty scary. And some of them were very funny and the audience was into it and we were into it. And that was a lot of fun. So um, like I say, Oh, and we didn't even talk about the show floor. Uh, yeah, hold on floor. just a second. I'm going to bring on Erin yeah. Marie because uh, she's waiting in the wings right now. So welcome, Sexy Porn Witcher on with the Sexy Witches. How are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Can you um, learn? So uh, real quick, for Floor Slow, um, you were saying, because I wanted to bring her in because we know there was some yes. models and some lingerie going on. So talk about the floor yes. and the floor show real quick. And then Erin Marie gets to take the mic for a few minutes. So welcome to Erin Marie. Have you been listening to the Hello. show? It's, what he did was pretty fucking amazing. I mean, I'm so jealous of what he did. Uh, Next like year? It's not even a second thought for me. As soon as tickets are available, I'm jumping on those and – Hopefully we can get the media pass as well because that definitely did open up things for me to be able to talk to people. But uh, regardless, I would go again in a New York minute. Um, the, the last thing I just wanted to touch on was uh, what we talked about at the last on the last show that the show floor was really again small vendors and it just I don't know it just makes such a huge difference. Uh, talking to people that are really into it. I uh, spoke with one gentleman who made these amazing resin masks. I've got a picture of his um, zombie Captain America, and it's a one-off. It, it's it, it's the only one he'll ever do. It was amazing and gorgeous, uh, and it it wasn't you know unreasonable for 
the workmanship and everything else. It, it was really, really good art. Um, got Natalie uh, a little tiny clay figure of a werewolf because, you know, she's obsessed with werewolves. And again, wasn't that expensive. Met the artist who did it. It's really cool. And it was like that all over. Um, bought my dad uh, a book and the authors there signing it and talking about it. And it just sounds like something that my dad would be into. So I got a copy. And yeah, it just, I can't recommend it enough. Honestly, yeah, I it mean, was just a we great could, show. I'm sure we could talk about it for another half hour at least. But I'm going to yeah. er, let you take a break. For- but stay on the line because we still have animation to talk about. So you're probably right, the only right. person that actually did their homework, uh, so, <laughs> which is great. So, Erin Marie, you've come back from your adventures. I'm going to give you – now, you've got about tw- a, a little under 15 minutes here. Uh, but quick recap of, of Scares the Cares and then also a quick slight touch preview on – Monster Mania next weekend, but you have to go into detail because we'll give you a bigger, longer recap for that. Okay, no problem. <laughs> um, this is my sixth annual Scares That Care that I went to. I've been to every one, and it was exceptionally fun, <laughs> as always. Um, Scares That Care is a charity convention. Um, that chooses three recipients from three different categories and each receives $10,000 a year to help pay for medical bills and whatever they may be going through. One is a burn victim, one is a breast cancer survivor, and the other is a family whose child is suffering from some form of rare disease and hospital bills are climbing. So uh, this year... We had a great guest list, which I covered last time, you know, Keith David and President Taylor, all of the Monster Squad, except for the Wolfman, because unfortunately, uh, he was sick, so Wolfman Scott Nards was not there. <laughs> but um, everybody else was incredible. I had a ton of fun, and the most exciting one for me was Joe Bob Briggs, of course. I had tickets to his How Redneck Saved Hollywood uh, talk, presentation, whatever you want to call it. Um, And it was Friday evening at 9.15. I didn't even realize how long the talk was. It was so funny and entertaining and informative at the same time that I didn't realize when he was done, it was almost midnight and I had missed like several hours of partying already. I made up for it, of course, (laughs) but um, he talked a lot. At first he gave a history on um, rednecks, you know, how the, the first printed uh, word redneck, you know, what it was used for, what article, I think it was like 1870 or something like that was the first introduction of that word. Um, he threw up a map of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, he said that most people that settled in our area, because I live in the Appalachian Mountains, um, are Scots-Irish, which is, I guess, uh, the border between Scotland and, and England where they fought for centuries. All those displaced Scots got sent to Ireland, and then they got pissed off and, I guess, migrated to America. 
and they hate everyone. So that's why rednecks <laughs> hate everyone. He was like, it's not that rednecks are racist. They just don't like anybody. <laughs> they just attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, right. he, he, he showed a bunch of, you know, film clips and went through the depiction of rednecks and hillbillies in film from beginning, you know, silent films, of course. Through Birth of a Nation and and all the way up through, of course, Smokey and the Bandit was his penultimate. He said it was the best movie ever, and he he, he gave such a great talk that it, it was just fascinating. And I took my daughter with me, and she loved it as well. She's 15, so. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I he's not the first person I've ever heard say that Smokey and the Bandit is the best film ever made. There seems to be, like some very rabid fans of that film. Are you a fan of that film, Aaron Kogan? Is he around still? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I am. Yes, sorry about that. I was eating sushi, so I put it on mute so you wouldn't hear me. Oh, um, well, yes. sushi sounds good. I'm, I'm, oh, it's pretty great, actually. Because um, <laughs> Natalie waited while they made the uh, California roll. It was fresh. No, um, Smoking in the Bandit is one of those films that made it to the pay channels just as the pay channels were coming into being. So it's one of those things that I saw as a kid over and over and over again. And uh, the stunt work is amazing. Yeah, Burt Reynolds. How Ashby, right? How Ashby was uh, the guy behind uh, uh, the directing and... Uh, directing most of the the car stunts, wasn't he? I believe so. I have to look it up. I wasn't doing a Smokey and the Bandit talk here, but let's throw it back to Aaron, (laughs) um, uh, Sexy Porn Witch. So this talk and Smokey and the Bandit, what else? Oh, um, every night of Scares That Care, they have karaoke, and of course I sang my little heart out. I did Black Velvet the first night, which was fun. And then I ended up drinking until 5 a.m. both nights, Friday and Saturday. Which is the karaoke DJ. Yeah, the karaoke DJ brought um, a lovely game called Buzz, which was fun as shit. <laughs> so we just basically had a giant party all weekend. That's what scares the care is. So what Taylor Vince um, was the nicest guy. He was so genuinely sweet. And he said that hugs were his superpower. He loved giving out hugs. He was precious. Um, Keith David, great, of course. And then when I met Joe Bob, it was even great because, I, you know, I told him, I'm like, I'm from the Appalachian Mountains. I live in Clifton Forge. And he knew exactly where that was. And nobody knows where Clifton Forge is. <laughs> Unless you're a train enthusiast. There are a few people that like trains that know where Clifton Forge is, just so you know. Oh, yeah. Paul's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is one of them. He knew where Clifton Forge was. See? More than, you know, <laughs> us, us, we can't. Anyway, go ahead. So you dropped five in the morning, and uh, and I know you worked on Saturday, so Sunday was really I your did. big day, right? Or did you go for the, you didn't go for the um, for the thing screening at the water, right? No, I wasn't there on Thursday night, unfortunately. I would have loved doing that, and hopefully next year I can be there on Thursday evening because apparently they had a trivia as well, which, of course, I love trivia. 
<laughs> we are the the trivia meisters, man. We are a formidable yes, team, are. the two of us, <laughs> and we we make the world quake with our trivianess. I, I, you know, if 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 Aaron Kogan and you and I could somehow all get to LA, we would go do the Shockwaves podcast, the you know dead end trivia yeah. contest. We would sign up as a team and go for it. I think the three of us could totally. And if Raven's around, she should come too. Uh, you know, we oh, would yeah. be a formidable team. You know, we can 100%. Oh my God. I've always wanted to. I you remember I, uh, my team won the tri- their version of it in Texas Fright there. So bring it. I want to I wanna deep dive this trivia. Con- this is infamous trivia contest. So someday. Um, one anyway. one of the things I thought was really awesome was uh, right after Scares the Care this year, uh, Joe Ripple, the organizer, um, put out a question, what other kind of talks or seminars would you like to see? And the first thing I said was John Waters. I want John Waters. <laughs> uh, that would be extremely fascinating and right up Scares the Care's alley. Uh, I've never seen John Waters talk live, and it's always bothered me. It's some, it's a bucket list item to go to one of his talks, and he does them a lot around here because Baltimore is his hometown. So yeah, that'd be a good one. And I've no excuse not to um, go see him. They raised a lot of money this year, and there was an anonymous donation of a ten thousand dollar check. Nice this year. So somebody donated basically the price of one whole family's allowance. It was incredible. That's good. Um, Good to hear. I I really can't think of anything else from the weekend other than it was extremely fun, very busy, and I feel like I didn't get to spend enough time with everyone, which is always a good thing. (laughs) It's not like you're not going to get a second chance next weekend because some of the same people will be up at – Cherry Hoon, New Jersey at Monstermania 43. So why are you going up to, after just doing Scares It Cares, now you're going to Monstermania. What are you doing there? Yeah, I've had a busy convention year, I think. I went to uh, Monstermania in March, then we went to AwesomeCon in April. Which, by the way, AwesomeCon just announced Zachary Levi for next year, and I fucking love Zachary Levi. Chuck was one of my favorite shows. Shazam is one of the best DC films ever. I like Shazam. Shazam was fun. I liked it a lot, actually. so good. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. I did uh, Days of the Dead Indianapolis. We did that together. Um, I did Scares of Care, and now I'm getting ready to go to Monster again. Well, geez. And, the guest, you know, the guest list is incredible. Um, of course, the whole reason you wanted to go had to cancel, unfortunately, due to a film. Yeah, n- well, he's making a TV show with his boy, Simon Pegg, so we'll forgive him. Yeah, obviously. I mean, we want to see Nick Frost work. He's a funny, funny man. <laughs> oh, we! I can't wait for the show. It's 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 supposed to be a fake paranormal show, so I'm totally, like, down for that. And then, of course, you saw his partner in crime, Simon Pegg, was on the new show, The Boys. Yes, he was, and he was awesome in it. I, I'm still really, really, like, I'm more I think about The Boys, the more I like that show. I actually really like that show a lot. So. I love it. It was so good. Carl Urban, of course, incredible, sexy man, <laughs> and does bad really well. 
but I didn't realize that the main character, Huey, was Dennis McQuaid and Meg Ryan's son, Jack Quaid. Yeah, I recently, I recently looked at, uh, learned that, like, before. I didn't know when I watched the show, but afterwards I did. And I'm like, oh, so that's what that looks like, you know? <laughs> and he's cool. Really I love him. like a perfect blend of Dennis and perfect Meg. Perfect fusion. Yeah, he really does. And he's got that zenness that his father has when he's delivering lines. So it, it's, it's cool. And he's a, good, he's a good balance to all the outrageousness that's happening around this character. So... <laughs> and it is outrageous. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, so. it was only eight episodes, but they packed so much punch into those eight episodes. They don't yeah. shy away from, from anything, which is fantastic. And how just evil Homelander really is, is my favorite villain in recent years. Just so fucking cool. Well, that's a really good lead-in because one of my favorite villains, we're going to talk about two of my favorite villains in the next hour, Aaron Murray. One you don't give a rat's ass about, even though we're going to talk about the original two. And one that I think we <laughs> all can agree, the Joker, which might be one of the single greatest characters in the history of any medium. Uh, Amen. <laughs> so uh, we will be back in two minutes. And we are going to shift gears and talk animation artists. Is my errands ready for this? Or are my errands ready for this? Get the Bring it. Right. Bring it. How about Aaron uh, Maria? Are you ready? You don't have well, to talk about very... she but you can talk about Batman. I know you can. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll be here for Batman. <laughs> Fabulous. We're going to bounce back and forth, but we'll talk about that. Let's take a break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Dora, He-Man's twin sister and defender of the Crystal Castle. This is Spirit, my beloved steed. Fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I held aloft my sword and said, For the honor of Grayskull! Few others share this secret. Among them are Life Hope, Madame Raz, and Cowl. Together, we and my friends of the Great Rebellion strive to free Etheria from the evil forces of Horda. Quick break. We 
shuffled our virtual notes, and we're all back together. And I mean, we're all back together. The whole Sexy Witch Coven is here. Uh, so, on the line with me, and I believe, are you still up in Portland, my dear? I am. Ah, so re- residing currently and directing a play, Hamlet, right? Up in uh, yeah, Portland. I'm assistant directing. I call myself the <laughs> ass director. Ah, the ass director in Portland, Oregon. But we know her better as the enchantress of Nevermore, Raven Jasper Hawk. Thank you for becoming on. We've missed you. You've been gone for a I wa- while. I we know. Conning it up, and then I was like Shakespearing it up, just nerding oh, in different that, areas of the country. Yeah, but you're the smart one because you actually are making some money, and we are just spending it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess that's true. <laughs> Good so point. there's that. Yeah, so welcome. And so we're going to, uh, you know, Shakespeare's actually not inappropriate because Batman is very Shakespearean. And matter of fact, oh, you, know, I'll say. Whole, you know, and even to, you could even say there's an argument for that for Shira as well, if you look into it. So, uh, but before we get into the actual animation talk, let's do a quick catch up because we've been gone for so long. And I know we've been watching and doing things that, you know, we need to talk about. So, who would like to go first? Oh, I did something really cool uh, and nerdy. And I I messaged you about it because I was so excited. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. I went to the Academy Theater, which is one of Portland's only second-running movie theater houses now. since they all got forced to go digital, most of the historic theaters are now first run, and it's kind of sad. But Academy Theater still does older movies, and they showed Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. Oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, I went to see it for $2. <laughs> and it's one of those theaters that has, you know, beer and pizza, but it's Portland, so they also have sushi. And uh, yes. seated, yeah. <laughs> seated right behind uh, my friends and I was this woman who had never seen a horror movie before. <laughs> and she, I couldn't believe it. She was in her early 20s, I think. And she had the time of her life, which totally helped everyone around her enjoy the experience more because she was legitimately scared. <laughs> and it was a great time. Well, that sounds that. amazing. I mean, you're going to do it, do it up like that. And it's a, it's such a yeah. silly, funny film. Like, it, it's a very silly movie. But in 3D, yeah. I, oh, my God. It, it is, it is, I, I'm, that's just awesome. I, I, I'm actually yeah. speechless on how cool that is. So, um, <laughs> pretty sweet. Yeah. Not nearly as cool as that. I did get in scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, so I took oh. Lily and I took Paul. I, did, I, did we too. Went, I almost said Nathan. <laughs> yeah, and I know, and I, Aaron Marie went to see it with Deidre, her sister. Uh, so nice. quite a few of us saw it. Um, Lily, I mean, the evil genius was yeah, she did okay. Uh, she actually right before the movie started, she goes, "I don't think I'm as brave as I thought I was." 
I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, and actually, that's what I said uh, after glitter. <laughs> she was a little bit like, uh, you know, she had her. I brought, made her bring in her blankie because she's wearing shorts, and, and I thought keep her yeah. warm. But it was actually the right answer because, of course, she could use her blankie to hide her face when she needed to, and that was cool. It was interesting to it through her eyes because it's aimed at her, right? It, it, right? She is the demographic. She is turning ten. That movie is aimed at preteens up to early teenagers, right? It's it really is. And, right. and so watching it through her eyes, but she was a little loud and it wouldn't have mattered if the theater was full, but it wasn't that full. And so it was like, it really wasn't like she was enjoy. She kept asking me questions, which is always gotcha. a problem. Like she doesn't, and she would do this in any movie, not just this one, but this one had a little bit like a little bit more like worry, but when she was into it, she was totally into it. And, and, and so I actually enjoyed watching it. Cause I thought it actually, I heard a lot of people say it was predictable, but I don't think they were, that was the right answer to say, because it's not aimed at us. Of course it's predictable for people that watch hundreds of horror films, but for a preteen, there was a lot of good going there and there was actually some kind of graphic stuff happening. And I like that. What about you guys? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I was curious to know um, thematically, if you hadn't known who the director is, could you tell by looking at it? Well, it's yes. It's got a lot of overlap with troll hunter in style. That's what I would say. Okay. Gotcha. And there is some, uh, there's some long, scary corridors. Oh, spoiler alert! Aaron Marie, Aaron Marie. Yes. The best thing about that movie is that they use Penhurst Asylum in some of the movie. I noticed that. I leaned over to yeah. Lydia and I was like, "That's like," <laughs> I was like, "That's a very, very famous asylum." <laughs> Oh, awesome. I jumped out of my seat when they showed it. Um, Aaron, uh, Aaron and Raven on the West Coast. Penhurst Asylum is our Cadillac walkthrough here on the East Coast. It's outside Philadelphia, okay. and it's in an actual asylum. And they use at least the outside of it for a couple of shots in the film. And that Very was cool. really exciting. It was a great shout out to, because the Penhurst Asylum was a real place. You know, it was a really scary I think there was like um, a a Ghost Hunters episode that was there, wasn't there? Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures did one. Uh, Oh, Ghost Adventures. Thank you. Yeah, the Zach Braggin or whatever the fuck his name is. Gotcha. (laughs) I hate that show, but my husband watches it religiously. Uh, (laughs) So uh, (laughs) I've been able to steer him clear of it by making him watch the Japanese, new Japanese pro wrestling, which happens at the same time. So he's no longer watching the new episode of Ghost Adventures. Instead, he's watching pro wrestling. I can deal with that. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what's going on there. Right on. Yeah, that, that was how I solved that problem recently. Uh, <laughs> so I digress. But anyway, uh, where was it? Yeah, no, um, it's really, I really want to go there this year. And I'm sure they're going to play that shit up this year that they were scary stories in the dark. So, uh, you know, oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, so. Um, I absolutely love how they made the illustrations that we all know and love from the book come to life because they looked 
so much like them, but they were, you know, three-dimensional and very creepy. Sarah Bellows was so beautiful. Like, I was in awe of that creation with the, the spectral ghost at the end. She's the most beautiful ghost I've seen in a long time. Uh, I, I, I will say that, um, you know, and I, I didn't care if she was CG or not. She was just gorgeous. So good design all the way around. A little weird. Um, pulls at punches sometimes, I thought, but not always. Like the first, the first, the, the scarecrow sequence is actually terrifying. Uh, like truly terrifying. I, I was I was surprised how shocking that sequence was, and it's right up front. They just go fuck you, kids. Watch this. <laughs> you know? the, the, the hallway sequence was was really fucking cool with the the kind of giggling fat ghost that just absorbed. Yeah, them. and it and, fucking... and it was and it had the same like isolation feeling that Autopsy Jane Doe does in a couple sequences. Like it's very similar to that. Like he's really good at flickering lights down hallways. I've noticed that about uh, Andre Orvidal. <laughs> That's, he's really good at that. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Uh, better than Ty West. Ty West is the guy that has them walk around in dark hallways, flipping on switches, telling, asking if everyone's okay or if they're at home. So you know, it, yeah, I have really studied like horror lighting a lot. You know. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> what anybody else seen anything? I've got a few things, but I'll hold off for a minute. We got about a couple more minutes, and we'll jump into animation. I I think that not having really recognizable actors in the movie, most of them were pretty new with the exception of the sheriff, you know, because he was on Ally McBeal. <laughs> but most, I think it kind of lended to the authenticity of it, you know what I mean? It's not just watching a bunch of famous people in a scary story. Oh, it was good enough. You know, it's fun. I can see it becoming a perennial favorite around Halloween time. You know, maybe maybe not the charm that, like, Trick or Treat does, because that movie is just fucking charming all the way through, right? But, uh, you know, but it's definitely got that, like, you know, macabre teenage vibe, and I think it's nice to see a a horror film at that level that works. So, you know, give it, you know, I I, I won't give it an A+, but I'd give it a B, a solid B+, film, so... um, uh, yeah, I do have a couple things I've seen. I've been I watched the first season of Fleabag. I don't know if you guys have heard of this show. Have you? I've heard Family of it, Amazon but I haven't Prime. watched it yet. It's on Amazon Prime. It's like the hot show, and I just started first episode of season two. At first, I wasn't sure if I was going to be on board because she breaks the fourth wall every scene, like not just once, multiple times a scene. I find that can be very distracting and sometimes lazy writing. But the farther she gets in the show, the less she's using it as a device. And it actually starts, the show starts to work. And then the, the fourth wall becomes more about, like, you already know the backstory on this. <laughs> I just got to remind you by looking at you. You know, he, she, she, right. she starts to use it more sparingly. And, you know, and there's a lot of good character actors in this show. Uh, Olivia <laughs> Coleman plays her godmother in it. Um, and, you know, we all love Olivia Coleman. And, uh, what, and the guy who played um, Moriarty in uh, the Benedict 
Cumberbatch version of Sherlock. He's in the he's season really two. Good. Yeah, and he's really good in this. So uh, there's so I'm gonna give it a shot. I I was really frustrated with the first season because like they was treating this woman terribly who just went through this horrible tragedy and nobody gives a shit about that and she's being self destructive and then they give you a, the reason why in the very end of the episode of the season and then it's like oh okay that explains a lot but they hold it up but most of the time you don't know this one fact right. And it just makes it like a grueling watch. I don't like pe- watching people be rude to each other all the time. And their fa- her family is just a train wreck. Uh, you know, so, uh, but the writing's good. The actors are there. Um, you know, um, people I would watch on other things. So, and I like, by the end of it, I was kind of on board with this character. So I'm going to try with season two. And I watched one episode and it was really good. So I think I'm going to continue to watch Fleabag. Um, I finished Miraculous with my daughter, Evil Genius. We watched the entire fourth season, um, which is the Ladybug and Cat Noir. We went to the actual panel uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. So it, it's it's an okay show. It's very, like, you know, magical girl kind of thing. You know, Ladybug is so perfect and everything. And, and uh, But it's fun, and, you know, it's something that the Evil Genius and I can watch together. Uh, what else did we uh, – we, we already talked about the boys there, Marie, right? So when we talked about last week – I'm trying to think. I saw. Oh, I started watching Norsemen. Have you guys heard of this show? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, so you have seen it? Yeah, on Netflix, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm two. I'm two <laughs> episodes in, y'all. Uh, so I, I don't know if I like it or not. Uh, I really. And some of it is like funny, and then other times they're being really terrible to people, and I don't right. like watching them other people be terrible to each other like I don't think beating on slaves is that funny but that's just me right sometimes because sometimes there are some jokes like the one person trying to convince them not to cut his head off because he's already blessed they already know blessings as it is you know and you know I get that that's like an old school joke right so you know so we'll 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 stick with it because the costume is amazing and the acting is good and you know I mean, it looks like you could watch like Vikings and this show back to back, and it, you couldn't tell which one was more authentic. They look, they both look good. So, the authenticity uh, is really impressive on Norseman, yeah. especially for something that's a lot of the time just dry, dry, dark comedy. Yeah, um, I'm, I, I have a feeling so, that Norwegians are very dark humor, right? I mean, I know yes, what their music's like, so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, true, and a lot true. of piss and fart jokes, which, of course, yeah. Vikings are totally into. So, you know. Sure. And, <laughs> and um, you know, so, and uh, last but certainly not least, we I have binged the third season of <laughs> She-Ra. The, and the princes of power. So let's jump right into uh, our animation August talk. And uh, I decided to talk about two different because we're going to change gears next episode and talk Jim Henson instead of animation to throw two superheroes. And really, this is more of a superheroes talk. Uh, talk. But right now, uh, it's the 80th anniversary of Batman. We cannot ignore that. 
Um, and you know, in, in a weird, odd way, there's there's direct lines to She-Ra and the Princess of Power as it is as a show. If you you know, uh, they shared the same space in San Diego Comic Con. They had same. There was Warner Archives with that both both panels. You know, and there's just a lot of like things going on with this that you'd be surprised how they connect. So I was like, fuck it, let's just talk about both. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I need to do a quick poll. I know that Aaron actually said he watched She-Ra. Did anybody else do their homework? I watched, uh, yeah, I did. I watched some of the new ones, and then on Stars season one is of the old ones is on there, so I watched a few of those too. How many seasons did you get in, Raven? Of the, I'm, I'm on season one of the new one still. Uh-huh. I think I'm about okay. to uh, episode six. And then on the the old one, the first season has like fifty freaking episodes in it, I so know. I kind of just talked around. <laughs> you, you just kind of watch it. I mean, there's really not much yeah. you can do like that. There's so many episodes of Shira. It's ridiculous from the old season. So uh, uh, yeah. I've I've actually the Evil Genius and I have binged of quite a few of the originals, and we watched all three seasons of the new one and uh and going back in the day i come home it's two o'clock i go do my homework and get a sandwich and then at three o'clock he-man comes on and then at 3 30 she-ra comes on and nobody uh, comes you're describing my childhood <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had a yeah. lot of our childhood i was i had a she-ra lunchbox <laughs> i uh, but my my sister and I, between the two of us, all we wanted for a couple of years was She-Ra action figures because my cousins, who were male, all had the entire line of the He-Mans, including, okay. like, Castle Grayskull and the Serpent one, too. Okay, they had both, right? That's uh, which not was crazy. I know. They had them all. So we wanted the She-Ra's, and, you know, we're not, we didn't have that much money, but my dad would put one in for Christmas and birthday, right? And between the two of us, we had almost the entire line of She-Ra and the Princess of Power. And and we, you know, with a few on the side, like I had Tila um, from the He-Man set to go with her because I thought she needed to be a part of this universe, you know? Um, I had, and we had both, we had both horses. We had Swift Wind and Catra's horse. Catra had a horse. Right. So, um, you know, know, so that. we did... Yeah, she the winged horse, just like She-Ra does. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, a lot of people, so I'm a huge fan of the original series. Like, I like the action figures more than the show itself, but I watched a lot of the show and Filmation, which was, you know, it, that was the hot shit in the 80s was Filmation. They were the top A game of the, they were still shooting animation on film, which, you know, we don't, you know, and paper. They were using paper cutouts right. sometimes. I mean, they were doing that's why it's so rigid. Right? It's it's animation on paper and so that's why they don't move yeah. that much. You know, uh, a lot of people don't realize that. But, but they're but they are very sophisticated for what they are. Yeah. Definitely. So uh so I know Erin Marie loves the original so much in fact that she won't even watch the new one. No, I tried to watch the first episode, and it was such a, a, a terrible bastardization that I just couldn't do it. It, it was see, so angry. I got, I got so mad. You didn't even I can't try. even talk about it without. 
with, you didn't with, even without, she tried enough to no. get angry though. That's trying. Eh. Anyway, always <laughs> a pilot doesn't. I, I a pilot never tells you if a show is good. Uh, so matter of fact, one of the best jokes is in the next episode where she goes well, right after she becomes Sheer for the first time and like, what was that? She goes, I don't know. All of a sudden, poof, Tiara. <laughs> That's what she says. Like she's like. <laughs> I actually really thought it was funny, but um, She-Ra, the Princess of Power, Princess. Now it's not just She-Ra; it's Kira and the Princess of Power. But there always has been princesses, um, and that part of the story is carried on. All the character names have moved with the show. Uh, some people have different motivations and stuff, but uh, but they all basically do the same thing. Frosta does Frost, and Mermista is a mermaid, and. Hmm. Uh, you know, Sea Eagle is Sea Eagle, and he pops up in a couple episodes, which are actually my least favorite episodes, though I do know a lot of people will like those episodes. I don't know. How do you feel about Seahawk as the pirate here, Aaron Kogan? Uh, well, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the original, so I, I don't really have that much skin in the game as far as that goes. But uh, my understanding is that all of this is happening a thousand years after the original She-Ra. So they're all yeah. totally different characters with the same names uh, that I take to be descendants of. So um, well, I don't have any... Really, it's not a retcon uh, for me. It's, there's no, no retconning in this. No, actually... It, it, I mean, it's a new story, but the, the, uh, it's basically yeah. the same universe. Um, and yeah, and it is a th- and yeah, they yeah. do hint at the old one. They even like there's an episode where they actually dress them up for a moment in their original outfits. Catra's like, what? <laughs> you know? So you know, she's like, what the yeah. fuck? You know, and I thought that was. But pretty they talk awesome, about how so. Eternia has changed in the thousand years, and yeah, I, I, I totally gone, like, dig. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, I I totally enjoy uh, the background art, which reminds me so much of the art of uh, Mobius, uh, the, the the French illustrator who I guess is probably most famous for his work in heavy metal, the magazine, back in the day. And yeah, it, it's gorgeous, um, which makes it a little jarring, frankly, with the characters. But you know, whatever. I mean, because it's two separate styles going on at the same time. But yeah, yeah it's the, not the, enough there to is. Throw a, me out I, of it. I will. I will say, and Aaron Marie, you do, you had a lot of the same reaction. A lot of people did with the initial spells. Shira as a still doesn't really work in the modern show. But in action, when they start getting and they start developing the character, it starts to actually work better and better as the show goes along. And so the animation gets better, too. Uh, there's an episode in season one. I don't know if Raven's gotten to yet, which the prom, the princess prom. Yes, episode, I did watch that yes. one. <laughs> which that is a fantastic great. episode. Like, there's so much good about We're this. Uh, first of all, it's so good, and it's obviously a queer show. Like, they just, at this point, yeah, they're right? like, okay, we're letting our freak flag fly, no longer hiding it. And by season two, we get a married couple um, two librarian archivists, woohoo, historian people, both <laughs> parents. 
which is hysterical. So, so the prom episode is kind of a big deal because, like, and Katra is looking like a badass in the suit. And Katra and is one of my favorite villains out there right now. I actually think they're writing an amazing story for a character that's always been interesting, but they didn't do anything with in the original uh, show. Nothing. Like, occasionally she puts on the visor and turns into a cat and then gets, meow. You know, <laughs> but I always loved Catra because I always thought that putting on a visor and turning into a panther is a useful tool. I'm serious. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. no one's going to fuck with you, right? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, but now Catra and, and uh, Adora have this connection. I mean, and they, they, they talk about it in the TV series, the original one, but they never really played it up until the new one, which is that they were both kidnapped and stolen by the Horde and were raised together. So there's this weird sisterly bond, yet it's more than the sisterly bond. There's actually some feelings that are unaddressed between the two of them, especially on Catra's end. And, you know, and, and it's all subtle. It's not of it over the top. It's age appropriate. Uh, I think I have no problem letting my daughter watch this show at all. Um, you know, we watch hmm. it together. Uh, the first season, it, it, get through the first season. I would recommend uh, at Raven finish the first season because se- season two gets good, but season three played yeah. out six episodes long, like a like a long movie. It actually is a movie, oh, that's cool. and and I really and Gina Davis appears in the third season uh, as cool. in the in the Crimson Waste, which I don't know if Erin Marie remembers where the Crimson Wastes were. No, I've re- watched. Some old She-Ra episodes, but no. <laughs> the Crimson Waste is an area where nothing can live. At least that's what they think. And it was a place where uh, if, if the Horde really hated you, they'd either send you to the Crimson Waste to die, or they would lock you up in on Beast Island, which at the end of Season 3, where are they sending Entrappa, uh, Aaron Kogan? Spoiler alert. Um, it, would it be the Crimson Waste, I guess? No, Beast Island. She was knocked on the head. Oh, you right. Know that. Yeah, well, there's another thing. There's a mad scientist in this show um, called Entrapta. She was in the first one. She was a villain. Uh, and in this one, she's a princess, but she's a techno geek, and she has this hair. I actually saw someone do cosplay of her at the she Princess of Power uh, panel at San Diego Comic-Con, but her hair is like appendages. Uh, that work mm-hmm. with her and she's so cool yeah, and yeah. she actually has an amazing story arc I mean because she's one of those chaotic neutral characters that really doesn't care what side she's on long as she gets to work on her experiments you know and so she's not good yep. or bad but she is actually on the got a side kind of, of science on the side of science I think she's Natalie's favorite character uh, she's one of my favorite too. I really love. It's funny. I love the villains, of course, more than the good guys. It always ends up that way. <laughs> um, but you know, but you know, even Adora, I think, is getting better. I like how they're trying to subvert the chosen one trope, which is good on the back half. Which is something Batman also tries to subvert. Uh, you know, where you're you're the one that has, or your destiny chooses you to do that what you want. She's like walking, trying to walk away from destiny, going no. The last thousand years ago, that Shira didn't do end up so well. I'm gonna, I'm much more schizoid than that one. You know, <laughs> she's like freaking out. You know, mm. she's, you know, and uh, but. 
they left us with some huge cliffhangers at the end of the first one, which uh, or the end of the third season. Yeah, uh, that is just they just kind of end it. <laughs> they like, did that with the second one too. I did end it six episodes, so they're not really even full seasons. They're like half seasons. Um, I guess yeah. they're really expensive. They might be more expensive than they look. Um, but um, Batman, speaking of expensive, was one of the most expensive animated films um, uh, or TV shows ever, the original Batman the animated series. So I want to step back for a minute and talk about Batman. And we're going to then we'll compare mm. the two, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so <laughs> why don't we have. Uh, I was sure that I could talk about Batman until I had explode. Uh, I'll let Raven and Aaron Kogan fight. Which one of you want to do it? Wants to lead off Batman. I know that Aaron probably does, but. Are we fighting? Um, Is this a Batman to the death? Are we doing a bat duel? It's a killing joke, uh, man. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, really? Because I was thinking more of a bat juicy. Bat dance oh off. yeah, no, no, that works better. Bat Tuesday dancing. We can I'm all do it. that. Aaron, Aaron Marie can join in on that one too. We can all do the bat Tuesday. Right? Tussie. Yeah. I think we should all do the bat Tuesday. I mean, um, but really, I, I could talk about Batman first forever. Batman. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, really, yeah, he was. So, what about you, Aaron? What was your first Batman? My first Batman was actually in Grandpa Isaac's. Smithsonian collection of uh, comic books and it was the original Batman from the comic book from Detective Comics back in the day and uh, I actually got nightmares off of the Joker. The the section that they reprinted in the Smithsonian collection of comic books was one in which the Joker uh, paints the road off a cliff so that this charity bus filled with all these rich people going to the opera crashes and you see twisted bodies and the Joker among the wreckage picking up jewelry. And that just freaked me out when I was a kid. Um, but, so I was, hooked but really on. the Joker um, is kind of a terrifying character. And, and oh if it wasn't, God. If, if it wa- and I think Batman, if it wasn't for the uh, like Batman in a weird way being a grounded and not a superhero, it, the tone is completely different than anything I ever looked at. Because I went backwards in time and started reading the comics, and I got into Superman as well. And there's a tone mm. difference in these comics compared to what the other DC ones are doing. Most of, first of all, there's a lot more mafia, right? In, in Batman. Yeah. So there's a lot more yep. mafia in Batman, especially in the comics. And uh, and we also got, uh, and the Joker is just, he's just fucking insane. I mean, he gets scarier and scarier the years go on. This is why I wanted to give a shout out to Batman and, and, and Joker in particular, because the, the villains on these shows is incredible. But Joker is special because it doesn't matter how he's interpreted or who he does it. Even Jared Leto. There's something interesting happening wow. with Batman. He's not as great, but uh, uh, the, the design was cool, I thought. But, you know, they were trying to modernize it. But my first Batman was Adam West, and my first Joker was Cesar Romero, Yay! which is kind of funny, you know. But but you know why I was watching oh, it? My, it is funny, though. But Burgess Meredith was also on the show, which I was a huge fan of. And he was the Penguin. And I want to say, 
I actually will totally fight you on how wonderful Burgess Meredith's Penguin is and how wonderful Cesar Romero's Joker are. I mean, is there what really about worth... Vincent Price as Egghead? Yeah, uh, like costume, I mean, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone on that show was amazing, campy fun. And uh, Eartha Kitt, amazing. Yeah. Julie Newmar, yeah, holy shit, uh, hot as F and just, yeah, amazing and, and Lee Merriweather, we yeah. can't leave her out. I mean, she's there, too. No, I, mean, I love me, the, Lee Merriweather. All three of the cat women were amazing. In that show, yeah, I mean, yeah. but Julie, Julie Newmar Absolutely. though is she's on her own level though. Second I mean, place? there's this, yeah. there's just something about. Well, no, it's not just that. You want to be Julie Newmar. Like I understand every drag queen in the world and why they called that Tu Wong Fu. Thank you for everything, Julie Newmar. It made total sense mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter who you are, male, female, whatever gender binary, non-binary yeah. you are, you want to be Julie Newmar. I don't know. I, I, at least I felt that way about it. You just look at Julie Newmar and go, that's the perfect woman at that time. And and not even like, I wasn't even registering on a sex level. I was just resonating that she was cool as fuck. <laughs> you know, yes. She's just cool. And, yeah. and she was so fun uh, doing, you know, Catwoman, obviously. But then uh, she would uh, do a character who was Catwoman pretending to be someone else. And that was really fun and silly, and yeah, she was amazing. All right, so other sexy witches, do we have any opinions on which Catwoman is their favorite? Or we all, con- I mean, do you, or do you just love them all three? I do not they love them have... all three. <laughs> oh. I think they all right, something really different to the character, and there I just is. can't help but to love each of them, though. I mean, Julie Newmar had like this kind of sophistication. And just statuesque presence that she was just fucking awesome. And Eartha Kitt was just, she was just fun. (laughs) (laughs) She had the voice. That was so. Raven doesn't like one. No doubt. Which which one do you not like, Raven? Okay, I feel really bad for saying this, but Eartha Kitt creeps me out. (laughs) 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 I can't watch her stuff, and when I hear her voice, like when she used to do, uh, you know, cartoon voices and stuff. As soon as I hear she slithers when she talks, and it gives me the creeps. I have to start rubbing my skin together. It's weird. So it's, not, <laughs> it's not necessarily her interpretation of the character. It's just overall general no, Eartha Kitt issues. I can't do it. I have okay. issues. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I'll, I'll give you a pass on that. So, um, let's see. We talked about a little bit about the comics, at least I did. Um, and uh, we start picking up the comics, the Dark Knight series, is, and, and the Killing Joke, which would have been what you, we talked about that when the Bruce Tim episode. Uh, what time? Yeah. What, was the, what year was that? It was like 86, 87, something like that. I remember. Oh, maybe when later. The, the graphic novel came out? Yeah, when the graphic novel, because that was a big jump in, in, in uh, Batman lore. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty serious. I, I think the only thing uh, on that level uh, was uh, when they killed off Jason Todd, uh, and they had. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it, if we phoned in or if we wrote in uh, whether or not he would live or die. And of course, it was the Joker that killed him. 
but uh, losing Robin was kind of huge. And then yeah. uh, Killing Joke was just fucking next level. And and um, Killing Joke was, was in 1988. By the way, I was cl- yeah, I was close, yeah. but yeah, 88, um, which and, is good time you know, to talk about. The brilliant it, Alan Moore, uh, the brilliant and completely fucking mad as a hatter, Alan Moore wrote Killing Joke, and yes. it, it it was you know. 18 plus, and uh, I remember the comic book store owners being really hard about that one, saying, nope, sorry, this one is 18 plus, because it, it freaks people out. Uh, I, I When I picked it up, uh, and you open it, and it's just raindrops on the inner cover, there's no, like warning what you're about to get <laughs> you know it's, it's just very right. simple and it starts out and it ends with drops raindrops too which is like the ending of yeah. that we want the end the original ending of the comic is so perfect and spot on but before that oh, i mean i would say geez. that losing like the barbara gordon like that was yeah so devastating to me because i you know that girl is was the first you know even in adam west's character i wanted to see more of her like oh we can also mm-hmm. be part of this right and and so that was i picked that up and it, it still hurts like it hurts like i said dinosaurs hurts like it still hurts mm-hmm. even, even watching the te- the movie that came out recently uh which was yeah. Okay interpretation. Not a great interpretation of the book, but an okay interpretation. Uh I liked most of it. I, I was I uh, fortunate to be at Comic Con and see the the world premiere of it and uh it was kind of interesting because uh there was a, a young lady in the crowd who kind of said they'd thrown Barbara in the refrigerator and uh I I won't say there was angry pushback, but there was pushback to that. And um, it was funny. It's it's still funny to me that DC is pushing the boundaries with the R, but they haven't made it mean anything. And I don't mean the concept of Batman and Batwoman or Batgirl getting it on. That that's something. It's just the way it was represented and everything. If I was doing an R-rated animated cartoon and I had these iconic characters to play with I think I would push it a little farther than they did so for me the movie the the Killing Joke movie wasn't all it could have been I, I just thought it was it was missing something. I couldn't quite place place what it was, but there is a lot of good in there too. Um, you know, we get a song and we get Mark Hamill, and yeah. anytime Mark Hamill plays Joker is good. You know, the Joker is such Amen. an interesting character played by so many great people. You, you know, you got well, we got Cesar Romero, and you got Mark Hamill. Who else is, of course, Jack Nicholson? For a while, Jack he Nicholson. was the standard Joker. Right, he was the one that everyone goes. That's the Joker, right there. You know, um, I, I saw that movie in the theaters. Uh, you know, who didn't go see the original yeah. Tim Burton? I Batman saw that the at the theater. drive-in. <laughs> nice. That was my oh, first wow. drive-in movie. I saw, the, yeah. I saw the Dark Knight at Rises at the drive-in on a full moon Sweet. too. <laughs> it was awesome, and usually that's not a good thing. So uh, it was fun. Uh, so excellent. We both have excellent Batman taste at hmm. the drive-in. Um, so, well, let me uh, just say here and now, before God and all his ministers of heaven, the best Batman of all time is Kevin Conroy, 
and the best Joker of all time is Mark Hamill. Not only I, I, with the I animated, agree. but also Mark Hamill's work and Kevin's work in the video games is exceptional and next level. Mark Hamill scares the shit out of you when you're playing at three Arkham Asylum at 3 a.m. and he starts that throaty fucking laugh of his head. <laughs> that he does laugh really well. Me out. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. and are we, we get to see them, and and they still it still hasn't been confirmed Mark Hamill is doing Joker, but it sounds like it's a pretty high true rumor on this point. And we know that Kevin Conroy is going to be the first time he gets to play him at Batman as himself in live action with the Crisis of Infinity Earth that they announced at Comic Con that they're doing. You know, and so and Brandon Routh also gets to reprise Batman and get a second, I mean, Superman, and get a second chance at that, which I think is pretty exciting. Yes. And he kind of deserves it. I always felt bad for him because I thought he was a pretty good Superman, but his movie wasn't so great. You know, so... You know what you they know. They I like a lot of it. I don't... I, this is like as scientific as I can get about it, but there was a a comic issue where Superman and Wonder Woman have sex in outer space. It came out oh, yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. Um, that should go in a movie. And then I think like everything else around it, it doesn't even matter because people will go if they know Superman and Wonder Woman are, woman are having sex in outer space. That is a reason I, I, to I, see a movie. I'd be on board with sure. that. I have no problem with right? that at all. That would be totally on. I run Hollywood. Uh, I, I actually have a confession to make, and I should probably use it for a repo nerd. You ready? Everyone hold on to your butt. Ready. I have hold never on. seen, all the way through, The Mask of the Phantasm. What? Yeah. I have have seen, that? I've seen it in pieces. I've never sat down and watched it all the way through from beginning to end. And everyone says oh, it's yeah. the, one of the best. I've seen all the others. Like, I've seen the Batman Mr. Freeze oh. one, and and I saw mm-hmm. Killing Joke I seen and Mystery of... I saw all of those, right? Batman Year Two. I, I've seen all those. I even saw that one that the ones in the animation one that came out a few years ago. That was a bunch of small vignettes. I've seen that one uh, of different Batmans uh, over the century. I mean, people like Batman has is so influential across the world that people in different houses that don't, you know, make Batman cartoons, you know, <laughs> and, and you know. Yeah. You know, it's that important. But I, Phantasm, I have never seen from beginning to end. So I probably should fix that. Maybe I'll do know. it during the madness because the Batman, it does count as a genre film. So, uh, you know, um, you know, and Bruce Tim is pretty much the, the standard when it comes to Batman as we know it. Right. You know, really because the Batman animated series is shaped even, I would say, even it pretty much shaped what, how we see Batman now, right? The modern Batman is the Kevin Conroy Batman. Or at least I feel pretty much. how you, you know. Although we um, should also mention, we should also mention Lego Batman. Because Lego yeah. Batman is pretty effing great. I can yeah, see the theaters. Um, we'll, we'll all know it's a pretty good Batman, you know, actually. <laughs> right? I hate Who to admit thought? it, but it's true. Yeah, it is true. I mean, the Lego movie and then the Lego Batman movie 
really kind of stand up. It, it, it's a yeah. good Batman. Yeah, I know. He's all yeah. right. I, I, I know. And, and then even, of course, say, you get the locket. I, I work always in black and occasionally a dark gray. Like, you can only do that in a Lego movie because that would not work in any other Batman. So, yeah, I... I yeah. No, 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 no. I wish that were true. I wish that were true. But we've had two Batman movies where he said, it's the car, chicks dig the car. And that's Let's... not fucking right. It happens, <laughs> but it's still not right. Yeah, you know, and we also try to block out the the Batman. Batman Forever is good if you turn the sound down. What? What? Yeah, you have to turn the sound off. Huh? And, and I'm having trouble with my. It's, it's a new phone. Hello, hello. Could you? It's, it's pretty, <laughs> no, no. but it doesn't Forever. have anything to say at all. And then the First next off, one, which is the next one is is worse like don't even watch the one with alicia silverstone as batwoman i just Ugh. blocked that whole movie that movie doesn't exist and i'm going to tell you right now i think that george clooney brought nothing <laughs> to the table and and val kilmer was a terrible batman but a decent bruce wayne but that's it that's the only things i'm going to say about those two films you can say what you want well, it's it's not really fair you know to call it batman forever it just felt that way Secondly, bat nipples. Bat nipples. That's that's a mammal. No. The Joel Shoemaker movies are well, terrible. Mammals, shut up. Just no. I don't. But, but I don't understand what happened there. I mean, they're they're both just the worst. I mean, they really, really are, and and it, it well, makes me sad because the second both film. Of those? Yeah. Mr. Freeze Schumacher and Poison Ivy. Yeah. But, That's exactly. But yeah, I mean, Uma Thurman. How do you make Uma Thurman look bad, you dumbass? Um, I how do you ruin a character was, like Poison Ivy? Poison Ivy oh, is one of God. the most interesting characters in the rogues gallery. You know? And, 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 and then Mr. Bane Freeze Bane just is. becomes this monster that just, you know, this, you know, oh, God. Um, I didn't think I the think pain was so hot in the to... final Nolan film, though, either. I didn't like either interpretation of I pain. will defend Nolan's Bane with my Uh-oh. last dying breath. <laughs> that was a yes. great performance. That was an interesting characterization. <laughs> and the whole socioeconomic thing was fucking brilliant. This is my, this is how he I talks. will defend that Bane. I will. I will defend that Bane. <laughs> I'm sure he's work. He's acting his ass off. I can't understand a word of it. <laughs> See, I I hear that all the time. I hear that criticism, and I don't have a problem with it at all. And I have a weird ear with accents and things, so I do have problems frequently. But I didn't have it with that. I, I don't know why. Have I thought, problems. Go ahead. I saw that actually at the Academy Theater also. Um, when it had first come out and the sound is not, I mean, it's still Dolby in there, but is, I don't think it meets all like the THX requirements. Uh. There's no way they have that sound system in there. And I could, I could pretty much make out what Bane was saying. Um, my boyfriend at the time had no clue and I had to lean over and repeat everything to him. But then <laughs> when I watched it on DVD, uh. 
you know, but nobody had a problem. So I don't know yeah, if it was just the theater we were in or what, yeah. but I didn't have as much of a problem as he did. I think I was oh, at the funny. drive-in, so once again, so maybe that was part of it, because the, you know, the drive-in yeah, sound oh, never oh. is good. I will admit that. Uh, but I saw Dark Knight Rises at the same theater in a, during a full moon, and I had, and it was a packed, packed. It was they sold out the screening, and I had no problems then. And that's a dark movie. Right, so having a full moon over your screen on a uh, with a film like Batman, like a Batman film, shouldn't work at all, right? But it was such a good projector. I mean, Aaron, you have to come out so I can show you the Benji's Drive-In. Aaron Marie knows exactly what I'm talking about. It is the coolest drive-in, and you have to come out. I mean, it it is our drive-in. Sweet, you know. It's you know there may there are many but this one is mine you know so you know uh, so so uh, to sum up here because we could talk about Batman I do want to give a quick uh, notice that of course Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is about to drop on the world yeah, and, and there has everyone's going Gaga they're saying it's there's a be lot of good critical buzz. thing Damn. now I. But here's what I'm hearing from a true one true reviewer was a Batman fan like us, right? And what he said mm-hmm. is if you love Batman and the Joker, this movie is not for you. If you love character, stu- character study and that kind and day, you know, like a more of like looking into somebody's psyche, you're gonna love that is the audience they're targeting at. So it's yeah. more, clear more, from the trailer though. Yeah. They, they, they said it has more in common with like Henry is a portrait of a serial killer than it does with right. Batman, you know, that kind of thing, which yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm mm. open minded, but it's not going to be a comic book movie. Um, it might be, right. maybe, but maybe it'll be like what happened with old man Logan and, and you know what Logan ended up being a great movie. So, uh, you know, but it yeah, did, it was but also, it kept to the comic book tradition and it didn't, and it kept the you know, characters too. go off the rails. Like, I, I don't understand films that do this. You know, I don't understand why you want to make young Sherlock Holmes and you don't want him to use deductive reasoning once in the entire effing film. You wanted to make the Victorian Hardy boys. Why didn't you do that? Why? Call, oh, because you want to cash in on it. You want to use the name? Uh, we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm less excited for it now, hearing that it's not for the comic book fans, and you know, hearing that it's oh, it's got nothing to do with any Joker that came before. Okay, then why? But we'll see. Well, you could. Yeah. To be fair, you could say why about any movie that's coming out. (laughs) True story. No lie there. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. I think that the trailer is cut really well. Um, You're right. Even though they don't make it clear from the trailer that it's not, you know, that Batman's never going to be anywhere in this movie. Um, They made it clear... Well, I guess the internet kind of made that clear for me, but mm. I don't. I don't always have to have. 
I don't really always have to have Batman around in order to feel like I'm in Gotham. I mean, Gotham okay. does it pretty well. That's true. For a second there, I, I thought you were going to do a, a most interesting man in the world. I don't always have to. <laughs> but I, no, Gotham, no, I, I totally hear what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. I'm Aaron Marie really with... loves Gotham. I know that for a fact because she's watched the shit out of the show, and she keeps telling me I need to watch it, and I right don't. Right on. And you should. It is fucking great. It's everything it should be. Yep. It's, 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 I have a huge amount of love for the Chris Nolan movies because of the the darkness. The grittiness, the despair, the 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 evil that lurks in Gotham—it's not put to this cartoony bullshit. Oh, so colorful! Look at it; it's happy chaos. It's not fucking happy hmm. chaos. Gotham is right a on. shit city. It is. It is fucking New York City, circa late eighties, early uh, or early eighties, late seventies. Yeah, and, and of course, there's a huge lot of of monsters because it's based off of of um, New York City. You know, Falcone is a massive character. I, I actually really yeah. enjoy it when he's fighting gangsters and he's actually being the the <laughs> the, the greatest detective. And he gets farther and farther away with that away from that, especially in the '60s after Adam West. It kind of changed our direction with Batman, but. You know, I, I once again think that this is why it's such a versatile property because there's so much, there's so much variant over the years. Yet there seems to be a theme in everyone, except for the only thing I have issues with is how many times they have to see an origin story. They do this to Spider-Man too. Yes, we know the Uncle Owen died. Yes, we know Batman's parents died. Uh, do we have to see it anymore? That's fair. Do we? Do we? No, we don't no, have to see it anymore. That's fair. That's oh, absolutely fair. I agree with that. A hundred percent. You know, uh, so. Yeah, that is totally a business decision. That is not an artistic decision. Yeah. Because if Uh, it were an artistic decision, it'd be smarter. Yeah, I mean. But maybe no more because the most successful Spider-Man ever didn't deal with that at all. Didn't deal with the origin at all. We just jumped right into it. And financially speaking. What what is the. I don't know which one it is. The Tom the Holland, Homecoming? the Tom Holland Spider-Man. The yeah. Homecoming, the oh, new okay. one, right? I haven't seen it yet, so. Uh, uh, the new one's Far From Home, but yeah, that the oh, oh. the whole series just jumped in. Gotcha. Well, is, I like Tom Holland be. though. He he's like I said, I, I think he's my even though I haven't seen all of his movies, I I've, so far he's been my favorite of the Spider-Mans. Uh, yeah, and that you know, so uh, but I you know. We should go because I got dropped off and came back on while you guys were talking and you didn't even realize, which was good. I know. I did realize. I was covering. I did. We covered for you. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But anyway, um, let's sum up and and say, um, so, so Batman and She-Ra were kind of like mushing them together. Uh, Do... do we continue to love our superheroes and evolve them for future generations? Are we going to see these properties? I think we'll still see Batman until the day we die. Are we going to see She-Ra this way, though? I wouldn't be surprised. I think she has a harder also, road to tow, but we might. We might. We'll I really see. want to we'll see, see Batman riding Battle Cat. And if someone hasn't done that, 
I'm going to be really sad. As soon as I'm off the phone, I'm going to go look it up, and I'm going to be really disappointed if I don't find Batman on Battlecast. And anybody going listening for Midsummer Scream uh, earlier, thank you, and um, good luck for people in PowerCon, which is this weekend in Anaheim. So the princes of power people are gathering, so uh, that'll be Woo-hoo. awesome. Uh, but our gathering is over, so I want to thank Erin Marie, my sexy porn witch. Thank you for being on. Any final thoughts before you go tonight? Uh, no, <laughs> not really. I've just, you know, um, really excited about the boys because I've been trying to talk my sister into rewatching it. I just want to rewatch it again. <laughs> okay, that's nice. awesome. Nice. And and this, there was a picture of season two. They're already working on it. Woohoo! Uh, Raven, <laughs> my enchanted yes. Nevermore. Any final thoughts up there in Hamlet Land? And oh, I'm sorry, that's Scottish play. So I apologize. Uh, well. Uh, I would recommend if you haven't visited it in a while and you have access to stars on demand or you have the stars add-on on Amazon, check out the old episodes of She-Ra. I was really scared that I – sometimes I watch stuff that I watched when I was six and I'm going, what the hell was your problem, kid? And this I watched and I went, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, and so I was pleasantly surprised that at, it, it – it, doesn't stand like the literal test of time, but it, it holds like the test of time in my heart. And it right as well if you're an 80s kid. All right. Well, have a Very good cool. evening and thank you for being on with thank the Sexy you. Witches. And Aaron Kogan, thank you for opening the show and thank you for, and thank you, Lynn. And I'm so glad that Press Pass went to excellent use. So uh, mm-hmm. we, I think it's time to go, don't you think? At that time. All right. We're all going tonight. See you on the 27th when we talk about Jim Henson and recap Monster Mania 43. I'm going, and thank you, everyone, uh, and the sexy witches. Uh, It was a fun little show. I'm going to leave you tonight with Warriors by Alea Rose. It's actually the theme song to the new She Ra Princess of Power. Good night. Blessed be. Good film hunting. We're warriors.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.